So a couple months ago, I got a phone call, somewhat out of the blue. And I answer the phone, and it is my old high school basketball coach. And I had not talked to this guy in 25 years because it's been 25 years since I graduated from high school. So he calls me up and he's like, hey, Josh. He actually talks like that. Hey, Josh, uh, I'm trying to put together a reunion for my 25 years since my senior year. My senior year, the basketball team I was on was quite good. Uh, and, and so he was putting together a reunion and wondering if I could come. And so I talked to him and I, and I got to ask my basketball coach something I've never asked him. I've never asked him before. I've always wondered, but I never asked. So I asked him, I said, hey, coach, why in the world did I make the team my freshman year? Like, why, did, why? This was, I was at a school that had a, a good basketball team, it wasn't easy to make the team, I hadn't played much basketball, and I knew I was tall. In fact, one of the reasons I tried out, my brother told me, hey, you should get involved in stuff, he was older, and so I followed his advice, and I was tall. So I said, I'll try basketball. I, I was awkward, I was, you know, not the best skilled, and so I asked him, why did I make the team? And he answered, and he said, well, we saw something in you. We saw that you worked hard, that you listened, you tried, and we thought that you could be a valuable member of the team. And he goes, and we were right. And I remember listening to that and realizing that he saw more in me than I even saw. He saw more than I did. I saw myself as this kind of insecure, awkward freshman, and he saw me as a potential valuable player on this team. The reason I tell you this story is I believe that this morning... God wants to tell you that he sees more in you than you see in yourself. That he has more for you than you have in yourself. And this morning, he wants to encourage you with that. To understand what God has for us, I want to look at a passage in the Bible from Matthew chapter 5. Now, Matthew chapter 5 is what's often called the Sermon on the Mount, one of the most famous talks that Jesus ever gave. And it is a powerful and practical talk where he covers everything from how to pray to not worry and just a ton of different things in there. And we are going to look at five verses this morning where he kind of explains a little bit about what our lives are supposed to look like. So follow along with me as I read Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 13, says this. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So in this passage, Jesus uses two very interesting metaphors for what our lives are supposed to look like. He says, you are salt and light. Now, when I read the Bible, I know it's more than just a good book. It's actually God's word to us. And so as I read through it, I often have a lot of questions. And I kind of, as I'm reading through it, I'm asking God, I'm like, all right, so what does this mean? What are you trying to tell me in this? And so this morning, I want to kind of take you along as I ask some of these questions. And the first question I have when I read this is, who is the you? Right? Who is the you? Jesus says, you are the salt. You are the light. Well, who is that you? To understand that, we kind of take a step back to the first verse of this chapter where it actually says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to a mountainside, sat down, his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. 
So the primary people that Jesus is talking to in this entire Sermon on the Mount is the disciples. There are a few hundred people that are also listening, but the primary group he's talking to are the disciples. So when he says, you are the salt of the earth, what he means is you, the disciples. You, the people who have chosen to follow me. They believed, they knew that Jesus was something more than just a guy that he, they believed he was the son of God, and they said they dropped everything. I'm going to follow him with my entire life. Now, for us, that means that any one of us in this room who says, I believe Jesus is God and I'm going to choose to follow him, that that's who the you is. So the you is us. The you is Christians who believe that Jesus is God and are choosing to follow him. If that's you, then you are the you. Now, that may seem obvious. You're like, well, of course it says that. That's going to become important later on. So stick with me as we go, all right, so those of us who follow Christ, those of us who, who say we are going to follow him, we are the you. Okay, well, then if that's who the you is, well, then Jesus says something else that's pretty amazing and, and something that we often miss. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, the salt of the earth, and you are the light of the world. He puts that word in there, the he doesn't just say, well, you are kind of some of the salt. You're a little salty. He doesn't say you're a, you're a little, little tiny candle light. He says you are the light and the salt. And the reason he says that is because from God's perspective, plan A, plan B, plan C, plan Z for sharing God's love with the world is that those of us who choose to follow Jesus We'll share that with people around us. That's it. That's the only plan. There is no plan B. There is no backup. The plan is that you are the light, the salt, that we are the light and the salt. That's the plan. That's it. Now, what's interesting is he said this to this small group of disciples he had. He had about 12 guys that were following him. There were a few other people listening to that. He's sitting on the top of a really, not even a mountain, it says mountain, really a hill overlooking the Sea of Galilee, a beautiful spot. He's having this little conversation with them. And he says to this small group of people, you are the salt of the earth. Now, I would pretty much guarantee you those guys sitting there had no idea what Jesus had in store for them. They had no idea. They were sitting in a very insignificant place in the world they were very insignificant people sitting on the side of a hill listening to this guy and he says, you are the salt and the light. And he says, he, he doesn't say you're the salt of you know, this little hillside. He says, you are the salt of the earth, the entire earth. You, you little group of guys here, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the entire world. You know what's amazing is to think we're a couple thousand years from that that little group of people has grown into billions of people who say they follow Jesus. We're here in this room because those guys, that group of people, actually took what Jesus said seriously. They said, all right, I'll be the salt, I'll be the light. So I'm wondering, when God's looking down on this group of people, we've got a few hundred people here in this room and he's saying to us, you are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. What plans does God have for us? If that's what happened with this small group of people sitting on the Sea of Galilee in Israel a couple thousand years ago, what plans does he have for us? Like, it's amazing to think about. 
And I think he has bigger plans for us than we think we have for ourselves. But when I hear that, when I hear somebody even saying, all right, Josh, you are the salt and the light, my first reaction is, no, not me. You must have me confused with someone else. I am not the salt. I'm just not that impressive. I'm not the light. I'm sort of a dull flashlight. A dull flashlight's not going to light up the entire world. None of that. I'm not that salty either. I'm more like, you know, paprika. It looks nice, but it just doesn't have that much flavor. God, you've got too big of expectations for me. That is my first reaction. Like, no, I, I, I'm not a good enough person. I'm not nice enough. God, the salt of the earth, you must have me confused with someone else. Now, I think the reason we often think that is because we kind of misunderstand what Jesus means by salt and light. When we think salt and light, we think, man, I need to do a lot better. I need to be a better person. I need to do more. I need to help more people. I, need to, I, I, I just need to do a lot more. And I'm just not that good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not nice enough. I'm, I'm a little too sinful. God, there's no way I can do that. Well, if we understand what Jesus means by salt and light, we get a very different picture. But what does Jesus mean by that? Well, take a minute and think about. Think about what salt does and what light does. Think about what salt does. Now, salt enhances flavor. Salt also preserves. The time of Jesus, it was often used to preserve fish and meat. And salt enhances flavor. I, I got a confession to make. I actually like cooking and cooking shows. All right? I, I watch these cooking shows on TV, and one of the most common phrases, they have judges who try people's food and comment on it. One of the most common phrases is, needs more seasoning. You could have put a little more salt on that. That is one of the most common things that they say because salt enhances flavor. It enhances what is already there. Light, what light does is light lights up what's already around you. If you're in a dark room and you turn on a light, you now can see, well, there may be furniture in this room. There may be a rug in this room. There really is a monster in this room. There's light shows what's already there. One of the interesting things about salt and light is they have almost no value in and of themselves. If you came to my house and I said, yeah, come on over for dinner, you come in the door, you're like, what are we having for dinner? I said, I got a nice big bowl of salt for you. <laughs> Sit down, make yourself comfortable, dig into that bowl of salt. You, like, that would be horrible because salt has almost no value on its own. Salt enhances the flavor that's there. Light has almost no value on its own. If you are in a place that is just light, there's nothing else there. It's just light. You actually can't see anything. All you are is blinded by the light. Salt and light enhance what is already there. You want to know the amazing thing about this? What it means for us is it is not our job to be God. We simply have to show that God is already there. When it says that we need to be salt and light, the idea is not, well, I need to be God. I need to do everything. I need to make sure I can answer everything. I need to make sure I can do it. What we need to do is be able to show that God's already there. There's no place you can go on the entire earth that God is not already there and working. Our job is simply just to show that God is there. It is such an encouraging thing to be like, oh, I, I don't have to do everything. I don't have to be the salt. If I went to the salt and I said, hey, salt, you need to be pasta. So I'm like, I can't be pasta. Now, what I can do is enhance the flavor of pasta. That's what I can do, but I can't be salt. When, often when we think about being salt and light, we think, well, I have to be God to this person. I have to be God. And often we get discouraged. We're like, I'm not good enough to be God. 
I'm not good enough to do that. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. He's saying you don't have to be God. You simply have to show that God is already there, that God is already working. Too often I find we get mad at ourselves. We're like, man, I didn't, I wasn't God. No, simply show that God is there. Okay, if that's what we're supposed to do, if we're supposed to show that God is there, how do we do that? How do we show that God is there? Well, thankfully, in this passage, just before the part that we read, Jesus actually gives an example. He gives a lot of examples of what it looks like, the character of what it looks like to be salt and light. We often call it the Beatitudes. It starts in Matthew chapter 5, verse 2, and it goes through a bunch of different things that it says, hey, if you kind of look like this, then you're actually showing that God's there. And it says things like, hey, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They'll be filled. Blessed are the merciful. They'll be shown mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers. That's what it looks like to be salt and light. It looks like people who are going around and being meek or what is often humble. What does it look like to be humble? What it looks like is you just are genuinely interested in other people. That's what real humility is. Is that you're genuinely, genuinely interested in other people. If they come and talk to you, you don't talk all about yourself, you actually ask them questions. You're interested in who they are, in what they do. A few months ago in the lead class, which is, we have these ownership seminars, we have a class called Lead, it's about developing the character of a leader. And a few months ago we were in this class and we were talking about how do you kind of sacrifice and serve people in your workplace. And there are a number of people in this class that had really tough workplaces. They're like, hey, if I'm actually nice to people, they just give me more work and make fun of me. And they're like, I, I don't know how to serve there. And then one woman told a story and she said, uh, she said, so she was working on a group project and it was, a, it was a report they had to do and they had to turn it in. And so she turned in this report and she was in charge of the report and she turned it in. And the next week, a woman came into her office and she was almost in tears. And she said, thank you so much for including my name on the report. She's like, well, well you helped on the report. She goes, I've helped on dozens of reports. My name's never been on it before. And this woman realized that something as simple as including the name on a report in a work environment where that doesn't happen was a huge opportunity to be salt and light. In fact, sometimes when we're in environments that we often think are more difficult, it's actually easier to be salt and light. We think the opposite. We think, oh, this is a difficult situation, and so I can't be salt and light there. And God's going, actually, you know what? I set you up for this. All you got to do is include that person's name on your report, and boom, you get to be salt and light. It goes on to say, hey, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And you know what it doesn't say? Blessed, blessed are those who do everything perfect, who know everything about God, who can quote every Bible verse. That's not what it says. Maybe you're one of those people, and that's great. But what it says is, blessed are those who actually hunger and thirst, who are authentically, deeply trying to figure out who God is and live for him. Because that's the most attractive thing. The most attractive thing is someone who's authentically seeking God and knows they don't have everything figured out, knows they don't do everything right, and apologize when they mess up. That's actually more being salt and light. That is what it means to be salt and light. It goes on to say, blessed are those who are merciful. Merciful means that you 
give people what they don't deserve. They do something and they deserve to be punished. They deserve for you to be mad at them. They deserve for you to yell at them. And instead of responding that way, you show them mercy. So often we feel like sometimes being salt and light means maybe I need to correct people or tell people what they're doing wrong. Most of the time it means that God wants you to connect with them, not correct them. Because when we connect with people, when we say, hey, I understand who you are, I understand what you're going through, this is what I'm going through, that is being salt and light. Blessed are the merciful. It goes on to say, blessed are the peacemakers, those who make peace, who throughout their everyday lives are looking at ways where they can bring more peace to the world, more peace to their workplace, more peace in our families. I heard another story as I was preparing for this. It was from a guy who, had, who goes to the church here who had a really tough roommate situation. Moved in with a guy he didn't know uh, before he moved in, and it ended up not being what he had thought. As soon as he would leave for work, this guy stayed at home, didn't have a job, and literally smoked pot all day. And it, like, his clothes began to smell like it. His bed began to smell like it. And he's like, I got to do something. So he decided he's going to talk to the landlord. Goes and talks to the landlord, said, hey, I got to move out. I got to break my lease. And the landlord's like, what are you talking about? So why are you doing this? And he, he felt like he had to be honest. So he told this. Uh, next thing he knew, he came back and his roommate was like, what did you, like literally yelling at him. Like, I can't believe you told on me. He's like, I've been to jail. I have friends in every corner of this city. No matter where you go, I'm going to find you. He, he actually threatened his roommate. So this guy who goes to the church, he's kind of like wondering, what in the world do I do now? How do I handle the situation? This is not good. So he knows that his roommate needs a laptop. So he goes and buys his roommate a laptop. Like, what? This guy just threatened you and you bought him a laptop. He goes, buys him a laptop, gives him a laptop. His roommate is blown away. Like, he's just like, what is wrong with you? I just yelled at you, I threatened you, you gave me a laptop. Changed the dynamic of the relationship. Ultimately, he did have to move out, but he changed the dynamic of the relationship so much so that a few nights later, I kid you not, a few nights later, this guy who goes to church here, his car is being broken into. This roommate goes out, knows the person breaking into the car, talks them out of breaking in and stealing his car. Like, what? <laughs> Blessed are the peacemakers. You do things like that. You do things like that surprise people. That are salt and light. It goes on to say, blessed are those who are persecuted. Who are persecuted, who are going through rough times. Like I said, it is often when we go through rough times that we are most able to be salt and light. It is often when we're going through rough times at school, at home, at work, and everything around us says, man, you should give up on that. You should give up on that person. You should give up on the job. You should move away from that community. And you're like, no, I'm going to be here because God has put me here to be salt and light. And I'm not going to grumble as much as I should. I'm not going to complain. I'm actually going to be salt and light in this difficult situation, even though I'm being persecuted. That is who I am. That's what it looks like to be salt and light. And still, when I look at that, I go, okay, but that, whew. All right, God, how do I do that? How do I not respond when someone's angry with me? How do I have this meek, humble attitude? How do I look for opportunities where I can serve in my workplace, at my neighborhood? How do I do that, God? And again, one of the beauties is Jesus, when he talks to us, he says, you know what? I understand. I understand it's going to be difficult for you. And that's why, you know what? It's not so much about you. When we ask the question, you know, how can I show God? How can I actually be that salt and light? In the book of John, Jesus talks a little bit more. The idea of being light is all throughout the book of John. In John chapter 8, 
Jesus says this. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He says, Jesus says, Jesus is the light of the world, not we. We're not the light. He said, Jesus says, I am the light. All you have to do, you follow me. You hunger and thirst after me. You, you, you do what you can to follow me, to live that way. And, and if you do that, then, then you will be able to shine that in front of other people. And again, this is often different than how we think. What we think, again, is I've got to work really hard to try really hard to be the best person I can do and not make any mistakes because then if I'm a really good person, then maybe people will see me as salt and light. That's not the way Jesus says it. I have my giant light bulb here. I don't know if you noticed it. <laughs> Often what we think is we think, all right, we think I'm way out here. I'm just, I'm not a very good person and God's over here and this is where I probably should be doing it. and so what I need to do is I need to be a little bit better. I'll try hard, I'll be a little bit better. Oh, I'm still not shining. All right, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work hard. I'm gonna be a little bit better, God. I'm gonna be a little bit better. Oh, still not shining. God says, it's a little bit more simple than that. Ultimately, what you need to do is simply follow me, Jesus says. If you choose to follow me, the Holy Spirit becomes a part of your life, and boom, when you're plugged into who Jesus is, then ultimately you can shine, because there's no way on your own you can be the light. You can't be the light on your own. It's too hard. We're too messed up. We're too sinful. And So he says, you know what you need to do? You just need to plug into who I am. When we start to understand more of who Jesus is, more of what God's done for us, God says, hey, I love you so much that I came down to this earth for you. Last week we celebrated Easter, the resurrection that Jesus came down, died, and rose again. Jesus said, hey, if you understand a little bit about who God is and what God's done for you, it begins to light the people around you. When you understand that, you know, Jesus was really persecuted. He was tortured on a cross, and yet he said, you know what, I'm going to forgive them. They, they don't really know what they're doing. Like, when we understand that, we begin to like, oh, you know what, I, I think I can forgive a few people around me, and we begin to shine a little bit of light. We begin to shine a little light, not on the good stuff we're doing. Right? It says it in that very last verse, verse 16 up there. It says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and what? And say, man, that's a superstar. I love that person. No, they see your good deeds and they say, wow, there's a God who actually loves me. If you think you have to be a superstar to be salt and light, you don't understand what it means to be salt and light. Nobody eats food and says, man, that was really good salt. They say that was really good chicken. You don't even notice the salt. Nobody says, wow, that was really neat light. They say, wow, that's a really great picture. Because ultimately, our goal is not to be a superstar ourselves. In fact, God often prefers not to use superstars, to use people who understand who they are, who understand the, 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 the problems they have, the struggles they have, and can share, you know what, yeah, I'm really not that great of a person, but I believe in God, and God's really helped me. That's what it means to be salt and light. And I believe this morning that God wants to come to us and say, you know what? I see more in you than you even see. We tend to sit here and go, no, I can't be the salt and light. I'm maybe somebody else. God, I'm sure there's some other good people out there that are salt and light, but not me. God's saying, no, I have opportunities for you tomorrow and the next day and the next day. It may be simply putting a coworker's name 
It may be dealing with a roommate, maybe dealing with a family member, but I have opportunities for you to be salt and light tomorrow. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online, and we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, and also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.